Welcome to the Grappling We See exactly. Grappling Rewind Podcast. Welcome to this week on the Grappling Rewind Podcast. In this week's show, we're going to recap Fight to Win 129 in Chicago, Illinois, the Third Coast Grappling Qualifiers, their second qualifiers, Rise 8, and then we are going to preview the AJP Queen of Mats and Fight to Win 130 in Denver. As always on the show, I'm your host, Maine, joined with my co-host, Emil. Hey, Emil. I'm doing fucking awesome, dude. I'm hype. I'm hype. Good, isn't about it? the spider news. We're going to talk about it in the right. news. You want to jump into that? Let's, let's fucking go, let's, jump let's into it. Let's go right into news. Uh, spider has announced its names for who they're going to feature on their end of year, not end of year, who are they going to feature in the spider tournament this year? It's huge. So as per usual, they have two brackets. I'm just going to read through the names here in no particular uh, weight class order. We have Nicholas Marigali, Kainan Duarte, Gabriel Arges, Incion Jung, Jonathan Alves, Mateus Lutes, Claudio Calasans, Shane Jamil Hill Taylor, Levi Jones Leary, Anderson Muniz, Tim Spriggs, Edwin Najmi, Mateus Gabriel, and Leandro Lowe. I mean, if you're going to yell into the mic, I got to move it a little further I, away. Dude, I can't help it. It's awesome. So, Spider runs an under 76 kilogram division and an over 76 kilogram division. And so, you can figure out from those names who will most likely end up in either one of those weight classes. They're competing for $250,000. We're pretty sure that's US dollars, too. Yeah, it's. I think that's the total prize pool. I think so. It's like, I forget exactly how the breakdown works, but it's like. It's a lot of money, which is why you have those giant names headline. I mean, on, on that bracket. It's absolutely a stunning bracket. I mean, like, that's th- those are going to be amazing matches. And that's that coming up, like, it. real soon. Yeah, uh, end of November. I think it's November 23rd. Is that actually that far um, away? Yep, November 23rd. So um, they just announced it. So we still have about four weeks out to anticipate this. Um, to preview it, pre- to look up names for a meal to may or may not run some ELO I'll probably numbers. do that yeah. just because it's, you know, this is the perfect event for mm-hmm. that. Exactly. You have big names, so there's a chance that there's a good deal of data on all of them. And, and potentially, it's a small enough bracket that you can analyze it. And, not, and there's a lot of co-matches. Guys have, got a, guys have already faced each other before, so we have data on that. So potentially, Emil, if you haven't looked at it, Emil runs occasionally. He'll do like um, graphical, graphical like, stuff. For, yeah. like, he did it for Kasai and a couple other things we've done when there's a small tournament with big names who run like some statistical analysis on it and uh i'm always really happy when you do it so uh let's see in other news oh in other news uh we did an interview with seth daniels at fight to 128 in philadelphia that i've finally finished editing and released today hell yeah so it is on our youtube page you can find that out there now it's about a 30 minute interview seth gave us a bunch of time and uh, it's a really cool interview i've already got some feedback from a lot of people they're like hey it's a really good interview it's an and awesome not interview. just people on the show i've had a couple people independently message me like that was a really good interview yeah it's it was super appreciative we're super appreciative of seth's time oh, yeah. um it was great to pick his brain a couple weeks after ADCC once things had kind of calmed down a little bit. I don't think things had calmed down at that point. Seth was still like, I'm still very tired. Yeah, but I mean, at least you know... (laughs) A little more manageable. Certainly, yeah. And you know, he he had some really great thoughts on ADCC talking about that, the directions that he wants to go in. So absolutely go and listen to it. It's it's an awesome interview. It's a really cool interview and it's uh, he's got a really cool perspective on like, he's got a very Seth Daniels perspective that is is really, really cool to listen to. Uh, Let's see, what else we got? Oh, Askin versus Meyer happened. Yeah. <laughs> the grappler versus grapple. We don't talk about MMA a ton on the show, but it was. Uh, yeah. I, I, love, I just love that Maya finished. He, he ran a trip and asked it. If you haven't seen it, uh, spoilers. That's on you at this point when the show comes out. Uh, and then gets up on the cage and yells, Jiu Jitsu! Jiu Jitsu! 
But I love it when dudes knock people out and just yell, jujitsu. You're like, are you joking? Are you serious? But Maya gets a really good choke. Um, some people have done some really cool technical analysis of this match. I think BJJ Scout did one beforehand. And I think there's been a couple things that have come out after the fact. If you're interested in MMA analysis, uh, there's some really cool stuff out there for that matchup. It was nifty. Um, happy to see Maya get a win at 41 by submission, you know, showing that good jujitsu. That's dope. It is dope. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. Wagner versus Ty Rotolo was announced. Yeah, that is an interesting matchup. So this is a fight to win uh, yeah, headliner. Headliner, baby. Um, yeah. The old guard versus the new guard. We'll see how it goes is down. Is Wagner really the old guard, though? Like, he's still, like, what, second place at ADCC? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ty Rotolo is still... Uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it it's, I mean, more like in terms of styles, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, that's not to say that Wagner obviously has a lot of high-tech, like, Mm-hmm. Uh, the float passing system absolutely. he does, the smothers, like the way he transitions to the back and the body but triangles. the kind of like, like smash mouth kind of like approach yeah. to jujitsu versus Tyratolo brand spanking new. He's how old is he? 16? 16? Yeah. 16. 16. We saw him take it to Paulo Meow, so he can mm-hmm. obviously hang with he can the hang big with guys. the top. Yeah. Like we saw him, he takes fourth at ADCC as a 16-year-old. He can hang with the top. Uh, you told me four months ago this matchup was happening. I've been like, eh, now I'm super amped for this matchup. Like, both guys have a pathway to victory here. Again, it's hard to count Wagner out, but dude, with Ty's run at ADCC, like, yeah. that's a good matchup. I'm super actually excited to preview that matchup in a little more detail when we get closer to it, but that was announced this week, and we're trying to do more big match announcements uh, in the news section. Uh, another news, Kyle Bain was awarded his black belt. We've seen him win uh, a couple of things recently. Big, I think he won the brown belt invitational, and he won uh, something else recently as well, so cool to see him getting promoted. Uh, Gordon Ryan and Lachlan Giles have, uh, when did say have beef, but like they are going back and forth. With it. BGJ World has been putting out like great screenshots of like them going back and forth on their page. And like I follow BGJ World for just like what's new in beef. Right. Because that dude is up to the minute on like who is beefing with who and who we're trying to set up matchups. Yeah, this seems more like, I, from what I saw, it seemed like Lachlan was just trying to get a charity match to, you know, to go down, like a, yeah. a charity rubber match. I think that's awesome. You know, uh, hopefully they can work it out. I'd watch it. Yeah, I'd watch it. Gordon was going to put up 500,000 and Lachlan was going to put up 5,000. <laughs> and like, they've, they've, I think they've since moved a little away from that. But yeah. honestly, I'll watch the matchup again. Like, it, it's an exciting matchup. I think. Um, We've seen Gordon take it like recently and yeah. it's potentially not going to go, I think, much differently. But I'm a big fan. Any, whatever I can get both of those guys to compete, yeah. like, it's dope. I'm down to watch it. Uh, what in other news? What else do we got? Um, a bunch of guys are trying to fight Askren, a bunch of guys are trying to fight Maya. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, we were on Redax. Last week on the show, I was like, oh, this is Andrew Maneko's first time doing Fight to Win. I was incorrect about that. I had a couple people actually link me videos of Maneko on previous Fight to Wins. Uh, that dude is very good. We will talk about his Masters match here in uh, in the recap section for Fight to Win, but I'm going to try to get a little better about redacting things when I'm, like, blatantly incorrect. So uh, that's this week on Rewind Redax. Uh, what else you got? I think that's it, man. Um, oh, yeah, Rachel's getting purple belt. Hell yeah. Congratulations, so that'll be Rachel. later this evening. Basically, we're going to finish recording, and I'm going to sprint to the gym uh, to go like be her uke for like part of that. <laughs> so it'll be good. Awesome. Uh, move on to the recap section. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
So I want to do a recap of Fight to Win 129. This event took place in Chicago, Illinois on October 26th and paid out a total of $33,862 in salvage commission. It's headlined by Black Belt. Actually, not headlined by the Talitha Alencar match. Um, it was headlined by the Dante Leone match, wasn't it? No, Talitha Alencar and Catherine Perrette. Oh, it was headlined by, the headlined by Talitha Alencar defeating Catherine Perrette via split decision. You want to start with this one? Yeah, absolutely. So we saw Catherine Perrette at ADCC and yep. like, uh, you this know. This is a champ versus champ matchup. For yeah. fight to win. This yeah. is like some high stakes. It's a big deal. This yeah. This is definitely, I think, a little more tentative for both women. We saw a significant portion of this match take place on the feet. Both were kind of jockeying for position. It didn't really go to the ground in a significant way until the last minute, 30 seconds? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, there was. it was almost entirely on the feet. Um, moments of amazing wrestling. There was a moment where Talita shot for a double and Catherine countered with an awesome wizard kind of throw. And at one point, they go off the mat and onto the walkway. Yeah. Um, at the end, Talita pulls guard and briefly gets like a guillotine grip uh, for an attempt and, you know, that, that probably sealed the decision right there. So... It was a great scrappy yeah, match. Yeah, Talita's now got the is now the champ champ. Yeah, I think I think this was just for. Um, was this about? Um, it's not, not listed sure. in the results about it. Might, might have not been for about, but these are two previous or champions that fight to win. Right. I should have I should have actually known that. Yeah. Um, Want to go to the next match? Yeah, we got Andre Maneko defeating uh, Leche defeating Mark Vivas by decision. Maneko, Andre Maneko. Yeah. It's uh, was Viana's coach. And uh, Chicago, yep. Mineko is uh, a gangster. Both these guys have met each other. Mark and Andre, the commentator was actually really good about talking about this matchup, are both like Chicago legends. Yep. Uh, Mineko was like a top IBJJF ref for years, and like that shows. Mineko was in Masters 4 and does not move like it at all. No. No, he was... Ins- I mean, dude, he had that amazing flying arm bar early on the, be- the, match. the beginning of the match. Like, the yeah. opening for the match was him shooting a flying triangle, and then like it looked like like a good setup and then he he like falls off to like this really deep flying armbar and Mark Vives just eats it and like like eventually is able to like worm the arm out of it and it was super impressive we've seen Mark like there was a while we were covering Mark I want to say like once or twice a month on Fight to Win probably back in like late 2018 he was just super active and there was like they were having to bring in like guys in the Chicago area that like didn't know who he was because he was beating so many guys so it was really cool to see this matchup like this masters this this is a masters plus right. title and like both these dudes bring brought the heat for it great 50 50 leg lock exchanges Maneko also gets a good guillotine kind of headlock mm-hmm. uh, later in the match yeah as you said moves insanely but both of these guys are yeah. insanely Dude, at one point mark vivas hits like a really really nice like scissor sweep with like the far side arm on the uh sleeve of the lapel and it's just beautiful text him out andre like texts out and gets out of it and they back to the, they go back to the feet like this is a really really exciting matchup i have no idea how these dudes move like this at masters three and masters four it's dope yeah, absolutely. it was an awesome match. Mineko takes that via decision and is now the Masters middle Masters plus middleweight champion for fight to win. This was actually a really fun match. This was one you should actually go back and watch. This is anyone that says like old guys can't do jujitsu. Um, yeah. They're wrong. Yeah, this is an amazing match. Honestly, people have been sending me Andre's matches from earlier fight to wins like that dude has some highlight real matches in fight to win. Yeah. I think his match on fight to win 33. Um, it was like it's dope. So. Go back and watch this match. Uh, move on to the next match. Yeah, we got Jessica Flowers defeating Hanette Stack by decision. Um, lots of pressure passing in, in this particular match. Um, next, we have Dante Leone defeating Izaki Bahens by guillotine. And choke. that was submission of the night for the black belt. Oh, my God. You can Dude. hear Dan Dykeman going absolutely ham during one of the snapdowns by Izaki. Izaki has insane snapdowns. Dude, he's Holy really, really shit. good. 
it was awesome uh so yeah the snap down was dope and then when i laughed my ass off hearing dan yell in the background uh he's like the unofficial we're gonna talk about dan here in a minute yeah he had a he had a dope ass match too he's uh he's a competitor and um he's like fight to wins unofficial hype man um and just part of team no sleep but yeah um so Azaki shoots a uh, single misses and he kind of leaves his head out for a split second. He like Azaki like, tends to drive really hard forward, which is like because he's like aggressive when like the way he pulls the t- pulls that. It, this wasn't the case where I mean he like he shot the single and then he just kind of he like it didn't work and then he paused for a second and Dante just scoops his head. Dante's right up. a really dangerous guillotine guy. Oh, like, we've seen it yeah. over and over and over Absolutely. again. And like he just locks up and then. He like also scoots his body up a little higher. He locks it in, and then so you see him at one point. He had the leg over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Dante had the leg over the shoulder, almost like like a necktie uh, position. He always like folds over really well with that guillotine. When you see yeah. guys tap like high level guys with the guillotine, they tend to do exactly what Dante does. They get a really good bite on the neck in transition, and then they fold themselves in and they fold like the body underneath them, yeah. and they get the legs. You don't usually see guys get tapping guillotines super low on the body. The legs are usually really high because you can get the angle on the hip to pull the neck in better. And this is exactly what Dante does. Yeah, so he's Dante has his leg over the shoulder initially, and Izaki stands up and goes to slam him, and um, Dante really, really deftly goes to kind of like more of a closed guard with his legs, gets slammed, and then immediately gets the choke. Yeah, um, super, super tight. Dude, I was... I've kind of sleep. I've kind of slept on Dante Leon. Like, be, wait, 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 let me let me caveat this before his big run at ADCC. Like, he's really good. We thought he was like a top guy, and I was always kind of like, ah, I'm not sure if I pick him after ADCC and after this. Uh-huh. Like, he is a front runner for almost anything he's going to be, in, especially so, with a win over like Azaki like this. I I wouldn't. I I will agree with you in that I did not. I didn't see him doing things like taking Lucas Lepre's back right. or choking out Izake Bahanis. But like uh, we did at the end of last year when we were kind of recapping the yeah. year, like talk about our recommends matches. And we did talk about fighters that we recommended. And Dante Leon was the first person that we talked about really. Like he was... We knew that he had exciting okay. yeah, matches. Yeah, you're right. Uh, in my head, I was thinking like, I think I was thinking this whole week. I'm like, I've been sleeping on him that hard. No, we and then we talked. Right, about I remember him. that. We we, we, we were talked talking about, about it, like because we watched him kind of break out. We saw him look really, really impressive at uh, King of the Mats. Yeah, uh, King of the Mats five, I think. Yeah, and we, we and saw his wrestling, and we saw really him on Kasai. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just saw him put on really entertaining matches. It's awesome to see. His entertain he is entertaining. He has an entertaining style, and now he's also competing at the highest level. So and getting wins at the highest level, yeah. like over like world champions. Yeah, world champ. Like he, I think he's definitely a guy we see shine more in Nogi. But uh, I should say Izaki Bahanis is the world champ. Uh, yeah, in the, in the gi, just, yeah, in the gi. And yeah. I think Dante is definitely more of a Nogi player. But dude, beautiful match. Go back and watch. It's what like two minutes? Yeah, less than like that? that. Yeah, it's really cool. quick match. Like really impressive performance by leon here next match oka ocasio defeats richie tobar by decision mauricio Oliveira defeats matt layton by decision aaron brooks defeats rafael rodriguez by triangle nick masalayo defeats josh bassini by decision jeff ache defeats mike sim by decision pete patterson steve patterson defeats mike sim by decision it's back-to-back uh mike matches uh kaio cesar Oliveira defeats dennis 
Dombro by decision. Leonardo Silva defeats Blake Klassman by toehold. Tommy Woodruff defeats Michael Hagel by decision. On to the brown belt results. Nicholas Tumman... Nicholas Salas defeats Joshua Chavez by toehold. So this was and that was submission of the night for the brown belts, and he becomes the brown belt lightweight champion. Gonna skip over my shit, man. Yeah, dude. Well, this was a fucking crazy fast match. Yeah. This is under forty seconds. It's quick, dude. Nick, There's a couple quick quick finishes on this card. Nick pulls guard. He Omoplata sweeps uh, knee bar attempt, and then he finishes a toehold all in under forty seconds. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. like the whole like transition leg lock sequence, just really great work. Yep, um, deservedly, and, and and for a belt. Yep. Like, that shows you, like, makes a dude to watch when you when you have a title match with Fight Twin. Because they're not like, Seth doesn't just give those out. You've right. really got to earn those. So you have two guys that really earned those matches. Um, yeah. Oh, Nick Salas. This is the dude that Daniel Myra told us to watch. Yeah. That makes sense. So this is uh, the match that potentially Daniel Myra is going to take for the championship. Gave it to Nick Salas. This, okay. Yeah. I, I know we should definitely take, keep an eye out for Nick Salas. Yep. He's awesome. Jim Fritz defeats Dan Hart by decision. Brad Shemluck defeats Jim Williams by bread cutter. Kyle Perkins defeats Christopher Hansen by heel hook. Sean Joseph defeats Paul Doe by decision. Do. Sorry. Uh, Liara Offair defeats uh, James Mikus by arm. Uh, James Mikus by armbar. Johans Moore defeats Adam Sipos by Americana. Troy the Night Pigeon Everett defeats Elias Sepeda by decision. So there's great sweeps back and forth here awesome guard pass by troy to neon belly and it ends with him in that really dominant like uh sort of headlock yeah uh, from side control which you actually you main like to do a lot yeah, so I, I was like uh this is, i i've seen this plenty of times you felt this few times yes. I was like, why is he holding on here oh uh so uh at the end uh troy sits for an ankle lock so i think between the headlock and an ankle lock. i think those are what get, what get it done as well for yep. the match so yusuf algol defeats aaron rodriguez by armbar uh anthony Kalina defeats Mike uh, Layton by decision. Venetia Silva defeats Alex Seaver by decision. Dan Dykeman defeats Michael Rota by toehold. This is a late replacement match. Yeah. Like, very late replacement. Hell yeah. Uh, Dan looked fucking awesome in this. Dude, there's an Instagram video going around. If you, have, you don't have flow grappling, which at this point, you probably should if you're going to, you know, watch professional jiu-jitsu. Um, there's an Instagram video that Flo posted of this finish for Dan, and I was like... God damn, this is a really good, like, sequence. It's a good sequence because, like, it's not just, like, a, a snap toehold out of nowhere. No. It's a long sequence. I mean, like... It's a long sequence of control, too. Yeah. And you watch Dan control through every single position down the chain and eventually get there and kind of, like, go for some other stuff along the way and then lock that toehold and just get the finish. It's really fucking good like, guard work by Dan, yeah. Yeah, and, the, like, I really love the, like... A lot of times you see guys that are like, like Dan is a flashy guy. That's why we like covering Dan. Like yeah. we like him watching him fight to win. But Dan does, he does the flashy stuff, but he also has a lot of control in those positions, which a lot of times you don't see guys have. So it's yeah. really cool to watch the sequence, watch him control the legs in the position all the way through while going for stuff and then get the finish at the end of a control sequence. Yeah, ultimately so. lands in saddle in almost like a new bar position and then gets the gets Kind of like reaches far back and yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's an awesome sequence. Mm -hmm, watch really it. good finish. And it's, and it's on full It's on Instagram. Yep. So go find it. Purple belt results. So Julia Balmonte defeats Mikey Vives by decision. Alex Diaz defeats Dave Chapman by decision. Michelle Dominique defeats Lauren Cusera uh, by armbar. Rob Cal defeats Martin Schutz by paper cutter. Brian Kranz defeats David Heineman by guillotine. Bill Meyer defeats Mark Aguinaldo by decision. 
Uh, Gregor's Wittek uh, defeats Ryan Camonier by decision. Steven Gladhill defeats Matthew Astosio by decision. Mike Damkes defeats Sam Mognolo by decision. Robert Ellison defeats Andrew Wang by bow and arrow. John Pontarelli defeats Matt Garetti by decision. Daniel Mark Cavert defeats Matt Lim by Kimura. And Brett Bond defeats Scott Giller by triangle. Dude, Chicago brings it. Hell yeah. It's a great card. We had a lot of fun watching this one. Uh, anything else on this one? No. All right, on to the next one. So I want to recap of the Third Coast Grappling Qualifier, the second qualifier they ran. Third Coast runs a qualifier to get into one of their big events. Uh, they run a women's qualifier and a man's qualifier. But on this event, they ran a couple of super fights as well, and I want to talk about two of them. Uh, we're going to start with this one. Which one? Let's start at the top. Let's talk uh, Lucas Valente versus Bill Cooper. Dude, Lucas Valente looked good. Yeah, it was pretty dominant on his he part immediately pulls guard and then cooper goes to stand almost like he's gonna slam and then lucas kind of loops under the leg gets a nice like just um ankle sweep over cooper reverses so he gets back to the guard no points are scored and then yeah just kind of gets to the top yeah yeah lucas is able to get to the top and uh uh basically get a textbook arm bar yeah and cooper you tries know, to kind of roll out cooper tries to defend Gets the top. Uh, Valente ends up going belly down on it and finishes. I want to say in like a minute and a half, minute and a half something, something like that. that. Yeah, just really good. We've seen Lucas look good before. Bill Cooper, we've seen struggle a little bit recently. We saw him on World Shows Jiu Jitsu. We've seen him look good, but he definitely has some hot and cold performances uh, now. Yeah. So under the next match, we had Jordan Holy versus Pedro Mourinho. Now I think Jordan was a replacement for this. It was originally supposed to be Roberto Jimenez. Uh, a rematch between these two. So Jordan stepped up and uh, definitely gave up a little bit of size versus Pedro. Yeah. and There uh, was a noticeable size difference there. Yeah. Also a little bit of jawing, I guess, before. A little like, bit. Apparently yeah. uh, apparently there was, some, there was some words exchanged on social media before this match of Pedro was a little, uh, a little upset. Well, yeah, Pedro was just, I mean, he was just smashing Jordan during good, but, this match. But yeah. You saw, he, he passed, so Jordan pulls, and Pedro has, like, is, knows Jordan's going to pull, and immediately goes and picks the leg, gets the two points. So right. Third Coast Grappling uses a tech fall system. So it's first to 11, gets a tech fall, or by submission. If you don't win via submission, um, and you don't get enough points to win, you go into the overtime, which is kind of like a, not, not really an EBI overtime style, but it's like a first to score, golden score kind of over time uh they're revamping that and they're kind of changing it event to event and so we'll cover it in more detail in the december 7th event that they're running which is uh stacked by the way yeah oh my god yeah dude i can't wait to preview that i'm actually gonna probably go to that one live yeah i'm gonna make the flight hell down yeah. texas to do That's that That's worth it dude it's a good it's a good looking card um so yeah pedro gets on top gets the points and then he stays really heavy on jordan's head the entire match he does not want to engage in the leg battle at all because we've seen holy like tap some good dudes very quickly with leg locks and kind of catch guys out and Pedro is going to have no part of that gets the headlock positions a lot gets like top north south a ton uh there's a reset and then they get back in Pedro passes again he's up like 8-0 and then he uses my absolute favorite technique one of my like two favorite techniques he goes from side control and he steps over with a guillotine grip into a mounted guillotine yeah. And then you're able to just crank the hips in. Um, this is like my favorite thing to teach all my students at the gym because I think it's really, really effective and it bypasses a lot of the half guard transitions you can get while going to over to the mount. Yeah. It's a neck. Really, really great position. And he just locks it up. He just arches into it um, and he gets the tap. Hell yeah. Not a whole lot more than anything else on those. Any mm-hmm. other matches you want to talk about? Nope. All right. Moving on. 
So moving on to our recap of Rise 8. Uh, again, a couple matches we're going to talk about. There's a heavyweight tournament that took place, which uh, featured a balanced guy, at a Brazley. And um, there was a big super fight between Frank Rosenthal and uh, Tapia. Yeah. Uh, Frank Rosenthal is obviously, like, he's one of the Henzo guys. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a DDS guy. He's, like, one of the guys just on that, like, he's... He's like a main squad guy for the most part. I mean, we see him on, on main events for stuff all the time. Yeah, especially like things that are based in New York. Or yeah, we also see him on like Battle Grapple and like he travels a fair bit. We've seen him on um, Finishers. Yeah, versus he's kind of like one of the one of the prototypical leg locking guys oh, from yeah, that gym. Definitely, um, he's, he's definitely a rising guy that you're going to see significantly more of because he's like he's main eventing almost everything he's on now. He's a really really like. He's a really good leg locker. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm actually going to do an interview with him uh, coming up for something we're working on as well. Awesome. So that would be, I'm um, excited for that. Yeah. So Frank looked really good. I, actually, in this case, um, I was surprised to see uh, Tapia try to like do a lot of seated guard with him. Mm-hmm. And it, like, because Frank's entries from seated guard, and Frank does that really clap. I mean, so this match happens. Um, there's some single leg X work, and Frank does a really nice entry into the saddle position. That backstepping kind of saddle entry. That's like the, the honestly the textbook saddle entry. Right, is really where Frank gets to. And it's like those dudes are so good at dropping into that saddle from that top position and going underneath. Yeah, it's just a really really nice entry. It's super it's super dangerous yeah so um at at some point you know uh frank is able to get to the position like he's able to get the grips where he feels mm-hmm. comfortable um and, and you see him start going up the positional chain of the legs the and leg like, entanglement like, start and at that point you're you are in his territory and uh he's able to secure a heel hook mm-hmm. uh, it's really good and Tapia does a good job fighting the hands for a while uh but frank's just kind of able to keep the position keep the knee line controlled the entire time eventually does the nice heel hook where you basically extend and you straighten their leg out and then it's so hard to get the leg bent again and to grab the hands that frank can just kind of have all this leverage to work he drops the shoulder under grabs the heel hook and there's some roll that can happen there, but it's from that position, it's so difficult to free the knee line to alleviate the pressure that, you know, Frank's able to get it done. So Frank is now the 135, 145 pound champion of Rise. I think this is actually a defense of the 45 pound belt. So I would assume that next Rise, we're also going to see him defending one of those two belts um, again. Again, looked Super dominant as per usual. Um, there was also a heavyweight tournament that took place at this event, and we saw Ed Brazley, who's a balanced guy. Uh, we've covered Ed before on SAGC. I know he's been on Sogi. Um, we, we see him he's huge, yeah. He's a big, big gentleman. He's huge. He's like, what, six? Like Probably six, three, six, four. Uh, six, five. Yeah. Dude, he is a large gentleman. And um, we see him get to basically the heavyweight wrestling game just kind of does that like push, 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 and then eventually get that guys down, transition to the side control, transition to the back, and he gets like a f- both guys, both matches. It's like the same exact finish: the flatten out, rear naked choke, and then just like the stretch to get the finish gets it done. So Etta Brazley is now the heavyweight champion for Rise. Yeah. So potentially we're going to see him now defending. Like, and he's another guy that we've seen look better and better. I think he's the champion for Sogi as well. Um, I know he's he's a guy we're seeing on much, much more super fights recently, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him defending the Rise belt here in a little bit. Absolutely. Anything else on Rise? No, that's it. All right. So moving to the preview sections, we have the UAE, JJF, the AJP, the World Jiu-Jitsu Tour, Queen of Mats. This is the, yeah, Queen of Mats. I was going to say King of Mats, Queen of Mats, but this is just the Queen of Mats. This is the first time that UAE, JJF, the Abu Dhabi Jiu-Jitsu Pro Tour, has run a women's um championship event like this so the king of mats is basically they get a bunch of grand slam winners that have won one of the four 
one of like the four or six grand slams that UAE JJF puts on throughout the year, throughout the world. Um, and they've run it for the men a bunch of times. This time they're running it for the women and man is the lineup good, Emil? Yeah, this is unbelievable. So we have Talita Alencar, Misa Bastos, Bianca Basilio, who just won ADCC, mm-hmm. uh, Amal Amjahid, uh, Luisa Montiero, and Anna Rodriguez. That's huge. So the way Queen of Bats is going to be run, in case you're not familiar with uh, this format, the six competitors are broken off into two groups. Yep. They will round robin, yep. and then... The two best from each group will is proceed it in the six semifinals. Is it eight usually? It's eight typically. Okay, for the men, it's usually, and that's why I didn't want to speak out of turn here, but I usually thought for the men, they usually run two groups of four. They do, So yeah. for the women, they're running two groups of three. Right. And um, I, I didn't know if they were going to run it differently, but in the press release that we have here, it actually states that they're going to run it like the same thing. So two groups of three. Dude, this would be a lot of, like, these are always really, really fun because you can follow, I think this is actually streaming on Flow now as well. Yeah. Yes, the last couple of them we had to kind of search around to find, but I'm happy because usually production for these when they're on flow is just... Uh, a lot better. Well, it's usually one of the best produced events that we ever see. They have multiple camera angles. They have eye in the sky. They have instant replay. Just the way that they run the rule set for the uh, uh, Jitsu Pro Tour is just like... it's condu- It makes it feel like a professional level like event yeah and yep. it feels like pro judo like you're watching like professional judo like a real like it's got that air to it the commentary is always usually great yeah so looking forward to this one um may i make a pick uh that's a that's a tough that's a tough mm-hmm. I, i'm gonna we just saw alan Carr win last weekend but bianca uh, and um, dude I, you can't discount misa either like She's been on a terror this year anyway. Uh-huh. So only, it's like, woman, only woman to have won her weight class since it was introduced in 2017. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have to go with my son on this one. Like, it's – she's just – she's been in the gi. She's just unstoppable. Yeah, so. she's, she's tough to beat, dude. Yeah. It's uh, it's exciting. There's a lot of I, – honestly, I think we are going to see a, a couple upsets in this, and it wouldn't surprise me to see some, like, really great finishing sequences. For some reason, just the way that the UAE JJF runs – the, uh, the Jiu-Jitsu Pro Tour runs, we tend to see a lot of, like, finishes yep and i'm not really certain as to why or what about the rules oh we know why man. we know because they go for the gold they go for the gold in six minutes six minutes yeah, yeah six minutes so like you can always watch these things full because the matches are six minutes like and they're always eight with walkout i can't remember the last time i really I, I can't think of a time that i've watched a uae jjf event and not been wildly entertained. No, they're yeah. always they're for, they pick the athlete selection is always great. The way they run it is always great. The production is always great. If we can find it, like it's one of our favorite. It's one of your favorite events to cover for sure. In the gi, yeah, hands yeah. down, that's my so, favorite. Super looking forward to this one. It's going to be great. So moving on to our preview of Fight to Win 130 that takes place in Denver, Colorado. This one is main evented by a black belt heavyweight title, Tim Spriggs versus Herber Santos. Yeah, that's going to be a. Uh, fireworks match oh yeah like tim spriggs is the former title holder he lost that uh, i think in maryland to gutenberg parada parada had it for a little bit defended it for a while then Herbert took it him took it off him with a toehold you've seen Herbert defend the title now nicholas margali dropped out of this matchup versus Herbert, and tim spriggs is here to replace it winner of this matchup is probably going to face kanan duarte 
Yeah, this is going to be either way. It's going to be explosive. It's it's huge. This I mean, is the like, division I followed the most in fight to win, as you can tell. Yeah, like I'm super. This is a super exciting matchup. I think this will. And even Seth talked about this matchup in the interview. Like he thinks it'll kind of bring the dog out of both guys because like Spriggs comes to bring it, especially if it's in the gi. Yeah, like Spriggs has the train wreck, and I think it's really going to like make Herbert aggressive yeah and kind of bring that out of Herberth. and when you see him like get aggressive and like get amped i think both these dudes can have just outstanding highlight real performances um i hope they have someone that's going to keep these guys on the stage yeah because this is a it's i imagine Seth's going to be out there dude this is a throw guys off the stage kind of matchup i'm actually really curious to see if spriggs is able to like hit the train wreck on Herberth. yeah i don't know i i have seen Herberth get un like People can off balance him. It's definitely yeah. possible. He doesn't have like one of those unshakable bases. Like no, he's very explosive and he's usually super explosive. And he can like he moves in a weird way for heavyweight. Yeah. Like he can just do stuff with his hips and his positioning. Like I, the thing that always strikes me the most is like watching Herber Santos sprawl out of guard. Yeah, he sprawls out of guard and he hits uh, this really crazy 50-50 knee bar really frequently, like from the top, from like top position, you're in 50-50, and he'll spin around and hit this knee bar. So it's like he has these two like things that you typically don't see at the heavyweight level, and so it'll be really interesting to see. Like, I honestly, I don't know who I pick here. Who'd you pick? Uh, I'd go with Herbert. He's tough to beat, man. He's also Black Belt World Champion, from previous Black Belt World Champion. Yeah. And it's in, in Nogi, I think I maybe give it to Spriggs, but in the Gi, I think Herbert may have the edge here. Yeah, absolutely. So next one, we anything else on that matchup? Mm-mm. Next match, we have a 185-pound Black Belt Gi match from Mauricio Oliveira versus Manuel Hibomar. Another dope matchup. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, we have a 180-pound Black Belt Gi match, Michael Liera Jr. versus Phil Lights. We have 175-pound black belt no-gi match, John Combs versus Garrett Aldrich. Is John Combs that heavy? Yeah, I, I remember him. I keep forgetting that he made a giant cut for Worlds this year, and he was like, I'm never making that cut again. For some reason, I keep having him at that weight class, but now I think he does walk around a little closer to 175. 130-pound black belt no-gi match, Karen Atunes versus Tubby Alkin. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, one of these ladies is either the front runner or probably one match away from a title at the weight class here. Uh, I know both these women compete a ton on Fight to Win. I think Karen either just fought for the title or just had the title, but I feel like I've seen Karen in a uh, in a title match before, and I think the same for Tubby, so it wouldn't surprise me. Super heavyweight black belt Nogi match, Foster Bailey versus Tyler King. Heavyweight Nogi match. Hold up, hold up. You skipped over that. That's uh, James 300 Foster. Uh, no, yeah, it's, I, think that's, I think that's James Foster, Foster Bailey. Um, he's like 6'5", gigantic, uh, built like a human tank. And Tyler King was on Philly. Also like 6'5", built like a tank. Um, and both these guys aren't like just like slow, slow players. Both these guys will push a pace and actually like really, they have really, really great pressure on like movement. So this is going to be fun. Uh, men's heavyweight match, Nugi. Mike Nichols versus Jose Luis Martinez. 255, 15-pound black belt Nogi match. Don Westman versus Daniel Ripper. 210-pound black belt gi match, Don Westman versus, or, sorry, Adam Maslach versus Tiago Pereira. That was my bad. The computer jumped on me and I, it threw off a meal. 200-pound black belt gi match, Jeff Ake versus Gilbert Smith. 190-pound black belt no gi match, Justin Downing versus Eric Alkin. 
185 pound black belt gi match david lucerelli versus carlos hernandez 175 pound black belt gi match jeremy hastings versus evan barrett 140 pound black belt gi match rossi snow versus vanessa wexler we've seen vanessa uh, i think we've seen her in a couple black belt matches she's had a little bit of trouble she was the previous brown belt champion for a fight to win uh, i want to say in 2018 yeah um i'm excited judo is back on fight to win we didn't see it this past weekend but coming up in denver we have 215 pound judo black belt match kedge zawick versus ian stajak those are big judo guys 190 pound uh, black belt judo match jesse butler versus alex graves 175 pound judo match adam moyerman versus toshi nishimura 155 pound judo match sophie Taysler versus Savannah Stacy. That's a ton of judo. That's going to be fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Moving to the brown belts for the ladies. 135-pound black belt nogi title. Mo Black versus Sheila Lindsay. Brown belt title. Sorry. Yeah. Brown belt title. Yeah. So I was like, I'm pretty sure Mo Black's still the brown belt champion. So Yeah. 205-pound Masters brown belt nogi title match. Emil Fisher versus Bruce Bugby. We've seen Emil Fisher. Uh, what did he win recently? Um... I forget what he won recently, but he's, again, looked really good. He deserves to fight for the title. for the. I think he has the title, actually, at the at Masters for Brown Belt. That's why. 185-pound Nogi Brown Belt match. Bojan Velisovic versus Ryan Casey. There's some other Brown Belts on the card. Again, it looks like a really, really fun event. A lot of Black Belts on it. Uh, anyone else that we recognize offhand? I don't think I see anyone. So, yeah, looks like a great event. Um, super excited about the main event. Uh, could go either way, but... It'll be a lot of fun regardless. Hell yeah. All right, that does it for this week. Um, we're a little short, so actually, Neil and I want to talk about, kind of bring on another segment. If you want to find more grappling stuff, uh, you can always check us out on YouTube. Um, we have some other interviews and other cool stuff that we're posting and producing there. But, I mean, you want to talk, you want to talk about something to kind of round out the show. Just the state of kind of uh, professional jiu-jitsu right now, it's, it's kind of amazing to see this awesome ecosystem of promotions coming through. Just this week, we got to preview... Um, you know, uh, Queen of the Mats, which is a great new development. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, like big age, first time AJP is running a professional women's event. Yes, which is awesome. It's great to see that and huge names on that card. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also got to talk about a new Spider coming up next month. That Invitational. That's a colossal amount of money. Two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars worth of prizes. Like that's like that's like very similar to the prize pool in ADCC, right? With like a fraction, a tiny, mm-hmm. a fraction of a fraction of the competitors, right? You know, so we're starting to see this really, you know, these these events are not like they're not in a vacuum anymore. Like there, no. there's a sustaining interest. The thing that's in these really events. interesting now is we're starting to see people that can potentially be making their their livelihood as competitors, right? And that like I don't think we're not we're not quite there yet, but when we even when we started the show two years ago a little more than two years ago that wasn't it wasn't we weren't quite no. there yet no people, people really were having having a difficult time making a living as competitors like typically what people do and even keenan talked about this on an early episode of the map burn podcast was like you go and you compete so that you can build fame so that you can open up a school and be an instructor and then do like seminars and do here seminars and, and like seminar tour. like that's you're making your money as an instructor doing seminars but now i mean look at look at the meow brothers like i'm mm-hmm. fairly certain they don't really teach or they do, no, they do they do they teach. do teach they do yeah. teach but it's like uh, they're probably 
they're winning events and like Margali is winning events. That's and their like, model is to go out right. and do that. And like, like Gordon Ryan is winning events. He's producing instructional as well as he needs to see sponsorships, but like between sponsorships and winning events, like he probably earns the majority of his money through like being a jujitsu competitor. Like he doesn't have a school. Right. Like, and so we're seeing guys that are actually able to make a living as straight competitors. And that's a huge shift, even from a couple years ago. Like, there weren't guys that I was aware of that were full-time competitors that were like... I mean, I would... I'm sure there were, but, like, now I think it's a way more sustainable kind of approach. Yeah, there's not one guy doing it. Like, IBGF just started paying out the Black Belt World Champion, like, this last year. Yeah, probably because they, 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 I'm sure, are starting to see all of these promotions now. And particularly... And it's not just things like ADCC now. You have UAEJJF, which is a serious gi, gi circuit. Yeah. You and know, like the with world championships that has some clout to it, especially with stuff like uh, the King of Mats, where it's like winning a world championship puts you on the shortlist to, to get an invitation to go to something with the King of Mats, which pays out a pretty decent sum of money as well. You can see also with the quality of names that they're drawing to those events, mm-hmm. like that you see world champs on that all over the place so now ibjjf is starting to have to pay out as well to you know basically just due to competition and aside from that too we're starting to see fight to win which puts on weekly events now mm-hmm. and that's something They've, we talked about this last week yeah exactly. they created a league like i can follow who the fight to win heavyweight champion is and as we yeah. do the show more and more and as we cover it more and more like i guarantee you'll be able to follow like other weight classes more yeah. easily because like oh i've been to this match. i remember who who took this title and like there's lineal championships yeah. like the only other event really that like is big where people follow lineal championships is adcc there's one lineal champion because there's a, and it happens yeah. every two years and so you have you've got to follow five matches a decade yeah and That's, so like one thing i honestly would love to do more but i'm going to say it on air so i kind of i have to do it is i would love to create a like we've tried it before with fight to win create a little bit of a database for who and at the black belt adult level just starting off who has the title and who had the title and start posting that on our website. So we can have like a, a week to week you can follow who has the championship belt and fight to win. Because we see these titles contested almost every week. There is a black belt men's or women's champion that is headlining an event or a former champion headlining an event. And like they've built, like underratedly, Seth and Missy and all the whole team at Fight to Win has built a league of like professional and the top level professional grapplers where it's like having the fight to win title like means something now like you have to fight there's no nobody's getting an easy black belt title shot at fight to win right like Herbert is your champion yeah Tim Spriggs was your previous champion Gutenberg Pereira was your previous like like there's no easy walkover matchup there for a title yeah absolutely and, you know I just think it's really, really cool. So I'd love to do more of that in 2019 of like like following the league and following like who has the titles, what organizations, because we have a bunch of organizations like Polaris has champions and Fight to Win has champions and Rise has champions. And it's like, and these champions, we're starting to see the cream rise to the top where it's like there's very few professional organizations that have like a champion that's like, eh, hasn't fought top competition. Like we're seeing the meows on stuff constantly for things like Grapple Fest and like we're starting to see a lot of big pro organizations that have top grapplers as their gi and no gi champions. Yeah. And I think that's really, really cool. And I would love to be able to do more with that to kind of help promote the sport moving into 2020. Kasai has also like done Kasai like has, has put on like really premier no gi grappling events, mm-hmm. you know, so we're and starting to throw gi matches in there as well in the undercard. Yeah. So they're not against doing the gi, but I think, uh, which talked about it in a pre, in a pre, an interview, probably like 2017, 
early maybe early at 2018 about like why they had shifted to Nogi and potentially not against doing the Gi, but you know potentially bringing in Gi in a little later. I just think there's enough organizations now that have like legitimate champions. We're yeah. we're getting we're still definitely in the wild west of professional grappling, but we're starting to move into much more structure of like league formats and like the ability to actually follow the sport week to week. Yeah, I'm I'm I hope that things remain open right now. Like it's great that no one um promotion like locks as of right now, like seriously locks their fighters into right. only their own promotion. I know ACB tried that. I think. ACB JJ did that for a little bit. Um, and then they didn't kind of work fold. out. It didn't yeah. work out that way. Cause actually I, I can't really speak to why it didn't work out. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to pretend to even know. I yeah. was going to say something stupid. Then I was like, no, I actually don't know what happened there, but I know that they had an exclusivity deal that when you were signed with ACB JJ, you couldn't compete anywhere else. But I think, uh, at least in recent memory, I think there's been some other organizations that have tried this, but in recent memory, that was the only one. But they were actually paying huge amounts of money to well, those grapplers as that's well. That's the thing is, I'm glad that we're in a place right now where that's not the case. So you get to see grapplers in these completely different, um, you know, rule sets and all that. Yeah. And they, you don't have what happens in other sports where a someone, guy can't get a fight. A, a, yeah, exactly. Like these, it's you like, know, oh. two huge, awesome world champions in two completely different. Right. promotions that never get to square or off ufc won't give me a matchup you're like right. i want to see you fight though so it's like we have all these different pro- i mean week to week if you go on the grappling you can look at our events upcoming events list uh, i'm actually going to work on getting a past events list up there as well on a separate page and you can see all the different organizations that have super fights week to week yeah. and like month to month and there's a huge range of promotions like we have actually had to shift on this show from covering everything to kind of more selectively covering stuff just because there's now you know when we started the show we would cover four to six events on a really rare occasion now on a given weekend it's very common that we have four events yeah and as co-host and as analyst, like we can't do, I can't do that to the event staff. I can't do that to Emil week to <laughs> week. It's like, hey, Emil, uh, here's six events to cover. We had one week on the show. We had to cover 105 matches. Yeah, I and it's just that. it's not it's not sustainable long term. So we've had to well, actually pare it down. Not just that, but like you know, when you have events now where there are just world champs all over the, you know, like you you can go and say, yeah, I'm going to prioritize watching these world champs or other really right. exciting fighters that are very active that we get to see a lot that we know a lot about. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing too is like, you know, just with the frequency, we're starting to see people a lot, you know, like yeah. we're starting to see just a greater frequency of these competitors. If you want to be a professional grappler, oh, also as a spectator, means- I'm talking about from as a, yeah. a spectating standpoint, it's really great because, you know, it, it's frustrating to see a guy in a really good match and then like, you know, his next match is like three months later or something it's like, like that. You kind of forgot. Okay, he competes at Euros and Worlds. It's like, and there are certain guys that run the IBJDF circuit and that's fine. Right. But like we see guys a lot of times that are on the IBJDF circuit also taking super fights now or like refining like their craft. Two, two huge examples of this that are both insanely talented insanely good both mike musimenshi yep. and nicholas marigali we've seen both of them start to take on events and actually uh, now that i think about it, about a year ago those dudes were only worlds and like maybe a major or two yeah and they would do like a the occasional like i think um mikey musimenshi fought on acbjj um like once or twice i think 
I know I know we covered him at least once, but again, ACBJJ hasn't run an event in a year, so I'm kind of so blanking we're, on we're what matchup. We're starting to see them kind of come out a little bit more yeah. and really enter the fray, which is dope. So, so it's We're starting just, to see guys compete in kind of a larger variety of professional events because they're getting paid now. Yeah. And it's cool to it's see guys in our sport, you know, receiving a paycheck for yeah. going competing. And it's like, and t- it's to give awesome. you an example, like, again, Marigali, for a while, like, he would only do the majors and stuff like that. And actually... He did did Copa a couple of times, too. Yeah. Um, you know, and unfortunately, the reason why he pulled out with Fight to Win, I think, had to do with just, like... The timing on Spider. Yeah, just... Is what he cited. Is what he cited. Who knows? But that means that Nicholas Mergali is has so many events coming up mm-hmm. that he's like picking and choosing now. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't agree with the way that he pulled out a fight to win and I really wanted to see him against Urberth. I hope we're still going to see it. Like it wouldn't it yeah. I would Eventually, like to see yeah. I I hope to see it. Cuz they fought before but back when Mergali was a brown belt I will and they say, got some bad blood so I want to see the rematch. Broadly speaking, it's awesome that competitors are that active now with yeah. completely, you know, I get to see guys matches. that I like watching fight fight more frequently i get to cover the guys that i enjoy covering i get to like talk about jujitsu on a weekly basis for like a variety of guys i'm seeing a guy that i like compete if that guy wants to stay active he has the means to do it if it's a world-class level guy promotions are flying them out to be main events on places and to you know across the world and they're going to do seminars and like it's just opening up professional grappling in a way that it it wasn't opened like three years ago you know and i'd be curious to talk to some of these competitors too um, that have been that, around a little longer that are on the circuit and just ask them how they feel about this as a means of um, getting money like doing a super fight versus going through a whole tournament right like yeah that's to me and granted i'm speaking out of complete ignorance but it seems to me that that would be a lot more desirable to take on a super fight. I mean, Andre Gavas talked about it. Yeah. He goes, he's undefeated in super fights. He goes, he'd much rather fight through a super fight. You have a super fight now than like go through a tournament because yeah. he's, he's, he's proven himself in those. Like he just wants to fight the one guy. Right. Um, I think a couple other guys have talked about that too. It's like, yeah, I don't really, I, I, I'm trying to remember who told me this. I spoke to someone backstage at a fight to win uh, within the last year. And I forget who told me, but they were like, yeah, I'm kind of not interested in like tournaments anymore. Right. Because like I've kind of done that and there's just not a lot of appeal to me. I'd much rather go in with a guy that I know I'm supposed to compete against and watch tape guy. and prep for him. Yeah. Because I'm getting a little I forget who it's gonna kill me who it and, was. I'm getting a little older. Right. You know, those tournaments are really hard on me exactly. and through my body. Yep. And it's just hard to get myself into that you know, level of shape and that exactly. level of like getting beat up and maybe I go through an entire camp and have one match and I'm done. The super fights I can prepare specifically for something and it's just a m- lot more palatable now, later in the career. I will say that I still love tournaments. Like you know, Oh yeah. I, I because they hold a narrative through the event which is really awesome. One of the reasons why ADCC is so amazing because mm-hmm. um, you get to see you get to see Lachlan Giles go on a run, right? right? It's like you get to see that you you have the, t- the tenseness of watching your favorite fighters go match after match to see if they can progress. So, you know, it's I'm glad that there's both. And I think, yeah, it's just a really exciting time for professional jiu-jitsu. I think it's really rad. Um, uh, and Dude, really I'm so exciting. excited for 2020. Yeah. I got, we got some stuff in the in the back burner for 2020 that I cannot wait to talk about on the show. Yeah. And uh, some stuff that's in progress. And some, Hopefully some expanding changes. what we deliver to you guys. That's the hope. Basically, be able to produce more content and yeah. like be, be able to do more um, 
for professional grappling and with professional grappling. So some cool stuff coming down the pipe. Emil, you got anything else? That's it. All right. As always on the show, I'm your host, Maine, with my co-host. Emil. And we got the Grappling Rewind. We'll see you on the mats. If you like the show, please consider sharing it on Facebook with the folks at your gym. It's the best way that we grow the show and we really appreciate it. You can reach out to us on email. We also have Instagram. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Google+. Plus. Until that shuts down. We have a website. If you have an event you would like to have us cover, please let us know. If you have a name, like most people do, and you'd like to have us stop butchering it, let us know. Reach out to us. The show is also available on YouTube, Spotify, in addition to iTunes and every other podcast service. We very much appreciate your time and thank you.